This podcast is brought to you by Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you have an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with quality marketing solutions for today's industry. They're also the newest sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. From wide format banners, decals, vehicle wraps, to much, much more. Give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Coming back at you today for episode 72. We've got an action-packed show for you as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers start the second leg of their six-game stretch on the road, facing a tough task in NFC South rivals, the New Orleans Saints. We're going to break down that game and anything else you need to know Tampa Bay Buccaneers-wise here today on the show. Welcome back. If you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. And Evan, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, you know. Um, And this week, I don't know. I guess it's because they won. This week seems to be going by a little bit faster. Like, I don't think I really, like, realize that like, Sunday's like almost here um like it's it's weird I don't know for some reason um I'm sure you know it's a lot easier to get through the week after they win but yeah um it's a lot easier for every literally everybody involved um inside the organization outside the organization 
Um, but yeah, for for me, the, this week's been uh, going by pretty good. So naturally, you know, tomorrow will go by absolutely slow as ever. But um, <laughs> you know, this week's been going by good. So hey, the good right. thing about uh, the good thing about the week going by quickly as well is y- you've got even less time to wait for the game because we talked about before. How those four o'clock games they kind of suck. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, First time they're playing at one. Yeah, like it, it just it, it's cool that if you're going to the game, it'll be nice and a little bit cooler outside in that Florida sun. But uh, if you're watching the game at home, waiting around for a Bucks game at four o'clock is really <laughs> weird. Uh, really, really weird, and just like puts me out of my element. Wow. So, and then the next week you ain't gonna have to wait because they're on nine thirty, baby. Oh, that's gonna be a good one. I'll be drinking my coffee. Flipping out in the middle of Starbucks watching the game, but uh, today on the show, can we gonna... get a can we get like a live vlog of that? Absolutely, man. I'll, I'll get right, my cool. uh, I'll get my iced coffee, French vanilla, cold brew. It'll be a great, great morning watching the Bucks play in London. But let's talk about the game this week. It is game number five on the schedule. The Bucks go in two and two to face the New Orleans Saints, and like I said, we're gonna break down everything you need to know about that game here in a little bit. But before we do that. We've got quite a bit of Buccaneer news that we need to catch you up on. So, first and foremost, Ryan Smith is back. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, you know, not many. A lot of people are gonna look at that and say, "Oh, like boot, like whatever," right? Yeah. Um, like he wasn't good anyway. His value isn't really on this particular defense. It's on special teams. And, uh, he is very good on special teams. And the Buccaneers kick punt coverage and punt uh, like defense team, I guess you say, haven't been the best. So getting him back should help. Well, and that's something that I wanted to point out as well. Uh, on the last show, but I absolutely – I just ended up forgetting. Um, but there was a play in the Rams game where Sean Murphy bunting like botched the spot of the punt in the end zone. Like, he mm-hmm. jumped up and tried to bat it out. It's a tough but play, but yeah. It definitely is a tough play, but plays like that are where you really miss a guy like Ryan Smith because we've seen, we've seen him handle that situation with grace in the past. Exactly, just like you said, the smooth Against criminal. Against the Saints, actually. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a guy who's come up big on special teams, and he, he's someone who can help out. But here are the specifics of Ryan Smith coming back. So... The Buccaneers requested and they received a one-week roster exemption for Ryan Smith beginning on Monday, this past Monday, which means he can practice with the team this week without counting against the 53-man roster. That exemption would end next Monday, October 7th, but he could also be activated at any time before that date. So, he would have to be activated at 4 p.m., Eastern Standard Time on Saturday in order to be eligible to play in the game in New Orleans. So at that time, the Bucks would have to make a corresponding move to create room for Smith on the 53-man roster. So like he's technically back. He is practicing with the team, but we don't know if it's a sure thing yet if he'll play in the game on Sunday. But I have to imagine they're also looking at the tape on special teams and they know he's going to help out. I like to believe he's going to play, right? I don't know. It all depends on like what they think. Like honestly, what the injury situation looks like is, if they think like a guy might be at risk to get banged up, or um, a guy might be at risk to not play, they might want to keep an extra guy at that position. Um, so, like I mean, 
it, we'll see. Um, I, I'm not really sure. It's kind of weird that they would just have him practice and not just already, you know, since that happened on Monday, like they had all week right? Um, to, to put him on the roster and haven't yet, haven't even made a move. So, I mean, they're going to travel to New Orleans, I think, tomorrow, Friday. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I, if I had to bet, probably no. But if I did have to bet on one Buccaneer playing, It'd be yes, and that Buccaneers Devin White. Um, just a oh, quick yeah. little, quick little thing here. I believe Devin White is going to play, um, and Jamel Dean is probably going to play. Um, Bucks were optimistic about both. Um, I think Jamel Dean's injury. I'm not even 100 percent sure what it is. Um, I forget to be honest with you, but I, I think it was that's, a hamstring. It might be, and hamstrings are tricky. Um, hamstrings are really tricky. And now, now you think about it, yeah, it is a hamstring. Um, but Devin White, a lot of people have asked me, so I just wanted to put it out there. Devin White will, will likely be back um, in New Orleans. And, I mean, you could say they need him, but, I mean, Kevin Minter's done a stand-up job. So um, they have pretty good depth there behind Devin White, and, and that shows there. Yeah, and having Devin White, that's definitely going to help you out in the linebacker scenario because, I mean, he's just another guy that you can send on a blitz, and that's kind of – the biggest draw that we had about him after drafting him, looking at him throughout college, and even talking about him fitting into this Bucks defense is that he's just a guy you can send at the quarterback. And uh, again, Kevin Minter has done a great job, so you kind of have to take a second and think if you really want to put Minter on the bench. Yeah. So I'm sure they'll find a way to split the load between those guys. But yeah, having... and especially this is White's first game in a little bit. Like They're not going to throw right. him into the fire and have him played 90% of the snaps. Like. Right, but having Devin White back regardless is really, really good news, especially considering he's your first-round pick from this last year. We've got some other Buccaneer news for you, and it involves players in the spotlight in a very, very positive way. We've got quite a few awards on this Tampa Bay team today. Let's break them down. First and foremost, it's been a huge week for Buccaneers quarterback Jameis Winston following his performance against the Rams last Sunday. In case you missed it, Jameis finished with 385 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. But it was enough to earn him both NFC Offensive Player of the Week and the FedEx Air Player of the Week award. Uh, I don't know about you, Evan, but I, I think I could get used to seeing stuff like this. Uh, I think the Buccaneers could, too. Um, I think everybody in that organization could. Uh, yeah, the, the NFC Offensive Player of the Week is voted on. I'm not really sure by who, but I know the FedEx Air Player of the Week is voted on by the fans. So it, the fans voted that one. I'm not sure who votes NFC Offensive Player of the Week. I think it's just people in, like, the NFL. But The uh, the FedEx Air Player, he was up against, I believe, Phillip Rivers and Baker Mayfield. and He, uh, he killed him. It, it, yeah, it was a landslide victory for Jameis, and, and you love to see it because people who – ultimately turn their backs on him week one are finally Ooh. coming around to realize what we had said to begin with the guy is that, has... is that, a, little, is that a little shot at me oh Ooh. no no no! i'm not talking about <laughs> yeah, you yeah, in general. i know i know yeah. but you know you, you know what i'm saying the people who are like oh he's done he's a bust he'll never be that and i'm not saying ah, yeah now yeah i see so it's not <laughs> yeah before anybody wants to go back if you want to go back and look i did not say that no so, you, yeah, did you, not, you're right, you did not say that but we are finally, what it looks like is we are finally seeing Jameis Winston live up to that hype, and we're starting to see him get a little more consistent, and that's been great to see. So it, that's the big re- thing, though, you know? Like, let, let me touch on that for a minute. Yeah, go ahead. So he's he's had streaks like this, Mike. He has. And, and the, the issue is 
if if he if he kept those streaks up, he'd be an MVP caliber quarterback, and then an extension would probably already be done, and the Buccaneers would probably have already been to the playoffs. The issue is that he'll put together two to three really good games, and then put together two to three meh or or just stinker games. And this you know this Saints defense has done a pretty good job against him in the past lately. Um, so there's going to be a big test. Uh, you know, um, this is his first time playing in New Orleans since 2017 because he was suspended last year, week one. Um, I think this is going to be a big test for him. And, and if he if he can get a good performance here um, and then another solid performance in Carolina, then I will say he's probably turned the corner. Um, but until then, I'm just I'm, I'm not I'm not there yet to say, you know, he's. He's turning the corner because I think he's getting close to the corner, but he's not he's not anywhere close to turning it yet just because we've seen this before. I think I'm with you. I'm 100% with you on that. I'm not entirely sold that he has taken that step, but so far things look like they're on the right track, and this Sunday in New Orleans is going to be pretty telling. You brought up the last game that he played, 2017 in New Orleans. If I remember correctly, that was the infamous E to W pregame speech uh, yeah. that, uh, unfortunately, he probably will never live down for the rest of his pro football career. If, but, yeah, if, if they win the Super Bowl, that'll be like like how like Fox Sports like sends out like the graphic or something. Right. It'll be like a gif of like, it's Buccaneers ate the W and took on the Lombardi. <laughs> something like that. So, speaking of Buccaneers winning awards... A guy that we've talked about plenty here on the show, Shaq Barrett, was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. Not the week, the whole month. So basically, the entire month of September belongs to Shaq Barrett. Over four games, he's mustered up an NFL leading nine sacks, three forced fumbles, and an interception. Mm-hmm. I he's mean, the, it's like it's like clockwork. For this he game. is the first Buccaneer to win the honor since Barrett Rude in September of 2007. And it's very, very interesting. Not only that Barrett Rude won it in the same exact month, um, but, dude, the name Barrett Rude for me, that clicks just so much going on in my head of when I first started going to Bucks games. Mm. Because I remember one of the first things that I put together as a kid going to games was whenever Barrett Rude would make a tackle in the backfield, everybody Rude. in the crowd would go, Rude! Yeah, and, and I don't remember was, those days. I don't remember them at all. So. When I was younger, I remember, I'm like, why are they booing? Like what? And then it took me a little while, and I remember that was just the first thing that really solidified yeah. my experience at Bucks games. And uh, so, Barrett Rude, I believe, coaching at Nebraska now. I actually have a story about, about like, people like yelling names okay um is when a person has a certain name so as most of you probably know but some of you may not i I live near philadelphia and i am a philadelphia sports fan like through and through um besides football really uh phillies flyers sixers all that like i love them all and i went to a phillies game one time and i was small like i was really small and i had said you know the phillies had a player named and some a lot of you might recognize him, Raul Ibanez, and I was at the game, and it was maybe my first or second game ever, like, because I didn't really go much, and I was with my grandfather, and when they announced him, like, they said Raul Ibanez, and the whole the whole crowd, Raul, right, and I was like, okay, that's weird, and then, like, throughout the whole great game, they kept saying it, and I was like, what the heck, and, like, the midway through the game, I asked my my grandfather I was like, why are they booing him? I was like, he plays for the Phillies. Like, why are they booing him? And, and he's like, oh, it's his name. I was like, oh, 
okay. <laughs> like so 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 when like so when you said that you asked that question, that it kind of reminded me of of like that situation. So right. I'm sure at one point, especially if you have a player like that, you know, you look at the Bucks roster now. Sue is a guy who can garner a lot of sues yeah, in the stadium. Yeah, everything um, with an ooh, everything yeah. with oohs, anything with that. Um, like 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 Luke Keekley, Luke, you know. Yeah. Um, anything with a U in it, you can pretty much do. But uh, definitely a cool experience, especially if you're younger and you kind of confuse that because i'm sure there's more people out there who thought the same thing about a certain player i do remember one thing is that the lions the 2010 year i think they played the bucks um they had a linebacker whose last name was like something to poo poo oh boy and i remember i had a field day with that one at 10 years old but um (laughs) so that's just about going to do it for your buccaneers news this week other than that actually though we do have one more we do have one more because it's recent that's why came out maybe like 20 minutes before the show started okay perfect um tmz caught up with jason pierre paul and, and jason pierre paul basically said that he expects to be ready week eight when the bucks play the titans um now i have been on record of saying that i i don't i don't have any inside sources on this but i just i, I still think there's a good chance he comes back at some point during the year but i don't know if it's guaranteed that he comes back because neck injuries are so tricky, but it is news that, you know, with his rehab process and everything, he and his agent both expect them to be back uh, week eight. So obviously I wouldn't expect a, a heavy workload uh, week eight, but um, it, it's a good sign. And they, you know, that could be almost like a trade deadline addition um, or like, you know, in hockey at the trade deadline, you'll add a, a piece or two on an expiring contract to try and get you to the playoffs and the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That could basically be like the Buccaneers version of this. If, if they're able to get Jason Pierre-Paul back and Pierre-Paul's able to be productive, like he doesn't have to be as good as last year, but if he's able to be productive and, you know, I mean, that's just another weapon that this, this defense can have. So definitely big news there. Like I said, just because he says it doesn't mean it's exactly going to happen. Um, but we'll see. And I, I, I right. do think at some point he will play. Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be good news regardless because, like you said, he is a guy who is on an expiring contract and the Bucks are going to want to get their use out of him, especially... We yeah, he's not going to be back. He's not. Shaq, they, they might have, like, that's the whole reason they restructured that deal was because they did not expect Shaq Barrett to do this and now they need to keep Shaq Barrett. So well, Jason Pierre-Paul won't be back. We had talked before about, you know, JPP's timetable for return. If he comes back and if the Bucks use him in that defensive game plan, we want to assume it's because they're in a position where they can push for the postseason. Yeah, um, if they're, you know, if they're if they go if they go tanking down here, if they lose, you know, New Orleans, <laughs> New Orleans Carolina, and then let's say he doesn't play Tennessee and they lose to Tennessee, I mean, Sitting at two and five, are you really thinking about making a push to the playoffs? I mean, right. You know, you'd have to be nine and seven at the worst to get to the playoffs. That but, seems unlikely. But the pros with bringing a guy like JPP back and having him play is, yes, he's going to have to practice a little bit, get in football shape because he hasn't done an ounce of football activity since before week one. Um, but the pros before the training camp, yeah, yeah, yeah like training camp, pretty much everything. Um, but the pros of having a guy like that back is to kind of take a little bit of the load off of your edge rushers who have made a name for themselves, Carl Nassib, Shaq Barrett. You can rotate him in there, give those guys a little bit of a break, and if he's productive, he's productive. If he's not, he's not. It's all good. 
but I would personally like to see JPP play a few more games as a Buccaneer before, ultimately, like you said, he probably won't be back next year. But um, but some good news for JPP on the Buccaneers front. So, that is your Buccaneers news for the week. Let's get into this game preview, which is what we had planned to do here since the beginning. Um, <laughs> so, like I said at the beginning of the show, this Sunday, the Buccaneers start the second leg of their six-game stretch on the road. They face a tough task in NFC South rivals and division leaders right now, the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are missing future Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees, but... They've won both games since losing him with a backup and a guy who, quite frankly, is starter material for a few other teams, Teddy Bridgewater. I, I like Teddy. We brought up Teddy way before the season started, and we said, listen, if we're talking long-term, let's say the Jameis stuff doesn't work out. I like Teddy to come in because he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's a solid addition, and I think he could be a starter for a few teams. So let's not sleep on him, but let's break down this Teddy Bridgewater New Orleans Saints team and everything you need to know. The first thing that I've got on my bullet point here, something that's been quite a common theme here on the show these past few weeks, following the theme of big-name running backs, the Bucks' defense will have their hands full with Alvin Kamara, a guy who never ceases to give us hell on the offensive side of the ball. Another dual-threat guy who is similar to Christian McCaffrey, the Bucks' front seven will definitely have to work on getting him out of the game or at least just phasing him out a little bit, because he is deadly. Now, mm. we talked about Kamara, but a different dynamic to the Saints team is that they still have Teddy Bridgewater, who can run when he has to, and he's a fairly talented light-on-his-feet runner. And they have a guy who I cannot stand, Taysom no, Hill. Him. <laughs> and I, I, I say feel like people either love him or people really hate him. Like, there's no... People, really only, people only hate him because he wrecks the game against your team. I mean, that's just what he does, man. He changed that whole game last year when the Bucks were up uh, 14 nothing, I think, or something, or 14-3 to at halftime. Yep. Um, and then the Saints ended up winning 28-14. to He changed that whole game with that block punt. Absolutely. The entire game just got flipped. So he is a very, very deadly player if and when the Saints want to use him, uh, which kind of means there's more than one dynamic to this New Orleans ground game, and Tampa's going to have to be ready to respond to that because uh you know jared goff isn't a guy who's really known for his speed daniel jones is fairly quick and we saw him mm -hmm. use it to his advantage against the bucks but he wasn't scrambling every play and the giants and the rams do not have a player like Taysom hill so you got to be ready for more than one thing coming at you on the ground and uh, let's hope these guys can respond yeah and the saints are going to use hill more now because of breeze being out um so the biggest observation I had, I, I watched the Sunday night game. I made it a point to, to watch a, a good amount of the game. I didn't watch all of it, but I watched a good amount. And the conclusions I had is, yeah, they're going to have to stop Kamara. But also, um, they're going to have to keep a lot of it in front of them, and they're going to have to tackle well. Because, you know, losing Drew Brees hurts, but it doesn't hurt as much with Bridgewater. What the Saints offense is going is hurting for the most is explosive play, like big playability, because Bridgewater really doesn't push the ball down the field as well as Breeze does. Uh, they're not going to take many deep shots. They're, you know, it's going to be a lot of checkdowns, quick slants, curls, outs, just a lot of quick things to get the ball out of Bridgewater's hands quickly, and it's not very long developing routes. Rather than with Breeze, sometimes you know he'll sit back in the pocket for a little bit. Um, the other thing is that the Buccaneers are going to have to figure out a way to stop him from running. Uh, Bridgewater can definitely run. 
Um, he's probably, you know, his, his running is underrated. He doesn't use it as much. Like, I wouldn't describe him as a, you know, a scrambling quarterback. Yeah, but I remember one um, play in particular. He tucked it and ran and got his lights knocked out. Oh, first of the Jets. I remember that. That was brutal. I feel bad. He's suffered from some brutal injuries, man. Oh, yeah. Like he has. He, he's battled. Um, Buccaneers have faced Teddy Bridgewater one time in his career. Uh, that was in 2014. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater with the Vikings. That was his rookie season, I believe. And he came into Tampa, and the Vikings beat the Bucks in overtime that game, 19-13. to um, Bridgewater played well, but like I said, he had a Teddy Bridgewater game. Bridgewater's not going to turn the ball over much. Um, he had a pick uh, last game, but you know in that game versus Tampa, I know that was a long time ago, but um, I think he had like one touchdown, 200 yards, but no interceptions. And you know he's just he's not going to make that monumental mistake that's going to cost you. And you know the Bucks got three interceptions of Jared Goff. I wouldn't expect three interceptions of Teddy Bridgewater this week, um, just because they're they just don't take as many chances with Bridgewater in there. Yeah. Um, which makes it even more, you know, valuable that the Bucks stop Alvin Kamara and and tackle well. Like you have to tackle well. If if the Saints are able to get a you know a five yard curl and Ted Ginn turns it into a fifteen yard game because he makes a guy miss, that could be a problem all day for the Buccaneers. And the Saints are just going to pick them apart. So um, pass rush is important, but also it's just you got to tackle well and you got to contain um, their biggest weapon, which is Alvin Kamara. You know, I'm I'm convinced you're over here reading my notes, man, because that's exactly what I had, is that this team does have to tackle well, and they have to keep things in front of them. Uh, but looking back at the Rams game, and I believe Pewter Report mentioned it in one of their articles as well. I don't remember which one. Um, but overall, the team in the secondary did a pretty okay job it keeping, plays, keeping plays in front of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. The, I think the one the one Cooper Cup touchdown was bad, but right. But I think the biggest play of the day for the Rams was only forty yards, and, and I mean, yeah, forty yard gain is a forty <laughs> yard gain. But, but you kind of talk about how often and how how many times in years past we've seen a huge play, especially with True Breeze, go over the head of literally everybody on the Bucks defense. We didn't see any of that against LA. So hopefully they can do a pretty good job of just keeping stuff in front of them, not letting anything break off for a huge gain because, like you said, if someone can make a catch on a quick slant route, make someone miss and pick up 10, 15 more yards, then you might be in trouble. Wow. But And Ted Ginn has absolutely killed the Bucks. Like, yeah. A Ted, like a lot of people, Ted Ginn is very underrated, and he's somebody I've won on my football team. He's just – he doesn't have the speed like a Deshaun Jackson or, or Marquise Brown, but he's like that next like bottom tier. Um, yeah. He's like the next tier down, and he has just killed the Bucks everywhere he's been, whether it's Carolina, New Orleans, um, just everywhere he's been, he's absolutely killed them. And, um, of course, they're going to contain Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas's receptions are going to go down because of Ridgewater being a quarterback. So, um, yeah, I do think that that's a big thing too. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, the biggest thing um, is that you, you have to be able to tackle well. Uh, yeah, you have to because if you don't, especially Kamara, because Kamara is he's probably one of the more elusive running backs. Like he he's can so like slippery, make you miss. It's like, ridiculous. It's like he can take a screen and just make a few guys miss, and then he turns you know the maybe a two yard loss into maybe it's only a six yard, seven yard game, but that's still better than a two yard loss. So what? Um, 
he just he does the small things right, and the Buccaneers really have to prepare for that. Um, one more point I wanted to make before I know I'm taking up all the airtime here. <laughs> you're good. Um, you're good, my man. You're all good. We're still trying to figure out how Todd Bowles is going to game plan for each like team because it's his first time facing them with this group. It, it's good that this is going to sound bad, but it's good that, that Drew Brees didn't get injured like last week. It's good that he got injured earlier. Um, because now Todd Bowles has two games full of tape for, with Teddy Bridgewater um, and the Saints offense. And, and they're going to be able – and trust me, the Saints offense might be getting better with Bridgewater quarterback. You know, it's the, the more comfortable Bridgewater gets. Um, and Todd Bowles is going to be able to have tape, though, on, on Bridgewater and how that offense looks. And that's that's a good thing. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they might be looking at some past tape of Bridgewater, uh, maybe some preseason tape just to see some tendencies. But they're, they're mostly paying attention to these past two games. Yeah. And uh, something that I was going to say, just to kind of reiterate the point that you made before that point, um, the Saints do have some solid weapons on offense when you take away guys like Alvin Kamara. They still have a name that you mentioned, Michael Thomas, another name that you mentioned, a, a big name, Ted Ginn Jr., who always does well against Tampa Bay, uh, and tight end Jared Cook, who is no slouch. Good. Um, He's underrated, too. Yeah, uh, and don't get me wrong, another guy, backup running back Latavius Murray, who has his moments. I've always seen him as a little more of a receiving back, so you could yep. kind of look out for him. But, um, they have one of the better offensive lines. It's not great, but it's one of the better ones in the NFL. Absolutely. So just going on kind of what we had both said following that, uh, be ready for the short plays, and, and you take that list of guys and you're throwing checkdowns to Ted Ginn Jr., Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, even maybe Alvin Kamara if he's able to sneak out of there. They've got some variety, and uh, it, they've got some interesting matchups to be made on that Saints offense. So the Bucks defense has to be ready, and hopefully they can adapt. Because I'll be honest, I don't think they get a sack this week. Yeah, I, I don't know. They might I, get I, one. But... I, maybe one, but I think Bridgewater's just going to get the ball out too quickly. I think yeah, if they get a sack, it'll agree. be him scrambling. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of agree. Because, I mean, they're just trying to get the ball out of his hands so quickly. And yeah, I, I don't know what kind of coverage... Um, I mean, man coverage, maybe. It, it all depends on the routes, though, you know. Um, like, because if it's a week-to-week thing with this Buccaneers defense, you know, what are they going to play more of, man or zone? Zone would take away, you know, the the slants or whatever, but it would leave them quick curls, them, you know, maybe that them quick outs, you know, yeah. the six, seven-yard outs, the six, seven-yard curls. And the slant, you know, like man-to-man coverage might take care of some of them curls. But, I mean... You don't want Ted Ginn on the slant because if you're playing single high safety with Ted Ginn coming on the slant, that ball comes out quick. Ted Ginn beats the corner and gets the angle on the safety. He's gone. So um, they definitely have to be careful. Uh, and Bridgewater, I mean, Drew Brees gets the ball fast, but Bridgewater just gets it out fast as well. So um, they're missing the beaten talent because Bridgewater isn't Breeze, but trust me, like, Bridgewater's still a very good quarterback. And I'd like to believe as well, like we kind of talk about how they are going to stick to the more conservative game plan on offense with Teddy Bridgewater, but Sean Payton, you've got to believe at least once, twice, maybe three times in this game, they're going to take a shot. And They, they might. It, it all depends on matchups, yeah. They, 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 I'm sure they're going to want to hit Ginn on, on a shot. They're going to have to be ready for that. So we'll definitely see what happens. The Bucks secondary, I don't want to say they won't be tested as much uh, but they're going to have oh, to kind of – they're going to have a little higher expectations, I would say, because you're not going up against the high-powered 
LA Rams, who were not the high-powered offense the Rams had last year, but they're still the Los Angeles Rams. Still put and, up 34 points or whatever it is. Right. So it'll be interesting to see, but those are the notes that we've got for the Buccaneers on the defensive side of the ball. Now let's flip things over and talk about this Bucks offense. So this could be another game where they find their swagger. I mean, the Jameis to Mike Evans connection is hotter than ever, and then we know Chris Godwin is always ready for a big game. And from what I've been reading... Marshawn Lattimore is giving up more yards through the air than he ever has in his career, which leads to an interesting question, and I'll pose this to you. Do you believe they're going to have Eli Apple or Marshawn Lattimore covering Mike Evans this Sunday? That's actually tricky. Um, I mean, the easy would... answer is both, but... <laughs> well, yeah, but then, you know, you leave Chris Goblin against your slot corner. That ain't going to work out well. Um... I'll say Eli Apple, and, and I'll say Eli Apple because the height, um, Lattimore's, Eli Apple's a little bit more lengthier than, than Lattimore. Right. Um, yeah, I think that, well, for one, Evans has had a lot of success against Lattimore. Uh, week one, he torched him. Oh, um, dude, it was great. Um, it was great. It put an end to that little one-year-long rivalry. Because you remember all the trash talk back and forth yeah. about Lattimore well, I mean, and Evans. That was, the, that was the when Evans took that. I mean, that was a cheap shot. Evans took that cheap shot on Lattimore, and yeah. Lattimore didn't like it. So, um, Still some bad blood there. But uh, I think the Saints will probably go Eli Apple and then hope that you know Lattimore can contain Chris Godwin. Um, I think... That the you know I, I think that the Saints are going to really put a big emphasis on stopping those two guys. So I think OJ Howard and Cam Bright are going to have to have pretty good games. Um, I also think the Bucks are going to try to run the ball a lot. Uh, this is the first game where really elements won't play a factor because it's inside a dome, and I think they're really going to try to try to keep a balanced offense, but but try to run the ball a good bit, especially with uh, you know Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber have been working pretty well together. So yeah, um, I, I definitely think they want to keep that that way. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I would have to guess though, right now, probably Eli Apple. Okay. I got you. Fair enough. But Fair obviously, enough. I'm not. I'm not. The, I'm not uh, Dennis Allen. So yeah, I'm not a defensive coordinator. So Marshawn Lattimore goes out there against Mike Evans. Hey, that's Marshawn Lattimore still their best corner. So you know that's your best corner against their best wide receiver. Go ahead. It'll definitely be an interesting matchup to keep an eye on. But you had brought up the run game, and and let's kind of talk about the run game a little bit more. Um, Peyton Barber is expected to get the start, and. For these two running backs that we have, it, it almost seems like it's the same agenda every single week. Uh, Peyton goes out there, gets the start. He wears guys down, and then Rojo cleans yep. it up. And I'll, I'll say this. I'm expecting a bigger game for Rojo than last week, to be honest. Oh, I don't know. I know He's, it's... Uh, you got to think. I mean, he had two runs. He had a 20. He had 75 yards called back and had 70 yards rushing anyway. Right. Like, that. that's 145 yards. Like... I don't know, man. I, uh, to see him do that against the Rams' defense, though, a, a defense who I believe they were, what, top three in stopping the run? Yeah, but, I mean, Saints' defense is good, too. Say, like, yeah, don't get me wrong. They don't have any slouches. It'll be interesting to see the matchup in the trenches as well because the defensive linemen that the Saints have, you got Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport, and a guy that nobody really talks about. Trey but I Hendricks. swear to God. Well, Trey Hendricks, but a guy that... Nobody really talks about, but I swear to God, I hear his name more than any defensive lineman for New Orleans when they play Tampa Bay. It's Mario Williams Jr. 
I don't know why that guy always plays so well against Tampa, but I hear his name all the time. Mario Williams Jr. Exactly. That's exactly my point. You sure? I'm not talking about the one who plays for Buffalo. No, uh, maybe Mario Edwards? I'm thinking Mario Williams Jr. (sighs) I don't know. I'm going to look up Mario Williams Jr. and just see if he plays for the Saints. Bust out the quick Google machine. Maybe we'll break this down, but I'm pretty sure it's Williams Jr. Jr. Mario Williams Jr. When I I look up Mario Williams Jr., it comes up Mario Edwards Jr. And Mario Edwards Jr. plays for the Saints, but this is his first year with the Saints. Well, then who is Mario Williams Jr.? Because I wrote this Mario Williams Jr. does not exist. No, stop it, man. He does not not exist. Mario, Mario Williams Jr. does not exist. Mario Williams exists. Mario Williams Jr. does not. All right, well, maybe I'm over here making up players, but there is a defensive lineman for the Saints named Mario who always on, has big games against the Bucks. Apparently, well, yeah, apparently on uh, Madden he does. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just insane. Maybe I'm crazy. But if you guys are watching and, and you know a player, a defensive lineman named Mario who you always plays well. Right. I may be crazy. I may be crazy. But, but regardless. This may be a lunatic you're looking for. Alright, en- enough of the concert. <laughs> um anyways, I I wanted to talk about the Trey Hendrickson, what like I mentioned. He's good. Um like you know, and they don't use him, he's not an every down pass rusher. Um, but he's really good, and and he's starting to develop into he's a, a good, just solid player that you can just plug in on third down, and he's going to get you a, a solid effort and just a sack a lot of times. Like um, he's not a, a pass rushing specialist; just he's just one of those solid guys. He's almost like a Nassib, almost. He just uh, shows up when he needs to. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think Hendrickson though has a little bit more pass rushing moves than Nassib does. So imagine Nassib just with a little bit more pass rushing flair. That's Trey Hendrickson, and then you got um, Sean Rankins isn't playing. I don't believe because he still has. That no, I think they got. I, I think they got him back. You sure? I'm pretty sure I read that they hmm. got him back. I All right. Well, it, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Is I mean, it was a, it wasn't like a torn ACL or anything. So it was, yeah, it was that Achilles he was coming off um, of from last yeah. uh, from last season. Let me. I'm gonna look that up too. Um, and then they have a uh, David Amiyamata. I think that's how. Um, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Sean Rangers was back. Okay. Um, yeah, David Amiyamata, and uh, he's really good. Um, they just have a lot of they have a lot of players that you don't aren't household names, but, like, if you actually look at it, they're just really good. Um, you know, their linebacker, Demario Davis, has been there for a while. He's good. Uh, like I said, their secondary, Marcus Williams and Marshawn Lattimore and P.J. Williams, I think is one of the better slot corners in the NFL. Now watch. I mean, he'll get toasted this weekend just because I said that. Um, now watch him. He'll get two picks just because you said he'll get toasted. That's how That's how oh, things work. Oh, okay. Reverse okay. psychology. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, we'll see. But, yeah, then Eli Apple has had a, a major turnaround in New Orleans as well. Um, yeah. He wasn't very good with the Giants, and he played well with the Saints last year and has played well so far this year. So um, the Saints' defense, is it's not the greatest. because they, I mean, and a lot of people point to it as not the greatest because it doesn't know the household name, but trust me, I mean, 
they don't need a household name. And whatever Dennis Allen does to Jameis Winston, it works. So yeah. that's why I said earlier that if Jameis Winston can pass this test and play well, I think that would be a big, um, a big step in him turning the corner. So uh, another name on that Saints defense that kind of jumps out at me, not a huge household name, but when I look at this guy, I see a guy who is up and down in the NFL so far in his career. Uh, that's Kiko Alonso. Don't forget that they've got him oh, on yeah, linebacker. Right. Protect, your, protect your quarterback when he's scrambling, man. Good Lord. Oh, man. Oh, I, man. Every time I hear Kiko Alonso's name, the first two things I think of are, one, him running to the wrong sideline, uh, and then, two, him just decapitating Joe Flacco. Is there, wasn't that in the same game, too? I, <laughs> I think it was right after the Flacco hit. I think he hit Joe Flacco helmet to helmet and then ran to the wrong sideline. No, I'm probably wrong on that, but it very well yeah, could no, have been. Yeah, if, if he would have ran to the wrong sideline after the Flacco hit, that wouldn't have ended very well. So oh, man. I think that might have been before. <laughs> but Kiko Alonso, again, a guy who just kind of has that ability to sniff out a play, but he's a big hitter. Um, he's a very, very physical guy. So Ask Joe Flacco. Yeah, ask Joe, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco will tell you. <laughs> so you got to be on the lookout for him. But like you said, the Saints defense, not an elite unit, but a fairly, fairly good defense, and the Buccaneers will have their hands full. It's going to be interesting to see how those matchups turn out in the trenches because the Bucks' offensive line, they mm. played probably the best game they've ever had as an offensive line last week against L.A. Yep. We'll see if they can carry that momentum into this week. What are you looking for on that offensive line in particular? I'm looking for the tackles, um, improved tackle play still, DeMar Dotson especially, uh, but Donovan Smith, you know, um, he's the, like I said, you're going to have Cameron Jordan come off the edge, you're going to have Marcus Davenport coming off the edge, you're going to have Trey Hendrickson coming off the edge, um, then they're going to send some blitzes, but mainly, you know, uh, the outside, just because Cameron Jordan being there, um, that's a really big, um, he's just a, he's a heck of a player. And um, him being on that side, on, on whatever side you line him up on, he, he's going to cause disruption. So the Buccaneers have to neutralize him uh, as much as possible. Um, because if you get him going, you know, um, it, it could be a long day uh, because he can ruin a game for you. And, and he's one of the more underrated, like, great players. Like, you talk about, like, Levante David as, like, an underrated, like, great player. I think Cameron Jordan's in that category, too, because, like, some people talk about him, but, like, they don't talk about him enough, I think. So, uh, Cameron Jordan is definitely a guy they got to stop. And that's why, like, the main thing I'm focused on the offensive line would be, like, the tackles. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting to watch, looking for that offensive line to have another clean game. Uh, because, again, no penalties against them last week. But you're really going to want to see how they match up and how they're able to protect Jameis Winston and, of course, open up some lanes for your running backs. Before we get to the checklist, I've got a quick fun fact for you. Throwing in a little trivia here on the show. All right. Yeah. Is it trivia? Is it a trivia question or is it well, it's just It's not really a, fact. a question. It's just kind of okay. a fun fact, kind of a did you know type thing. Okay. So, did you know? that the Buccaneers came very close to losing tight end Cameron Brait to the Saints in 2015. Brait had been released from Tampa Bay's practice squad that September so the Bucs could add depth to a banged-up linebacker squad, but before they could bring Brait back, he ended up signing with New Orleans. So Cam Brait was actually on the Saints' sideline when the Buccaneers played in New Orleans the following weekend, but he didn't stay in Louisiana long, because Tampa Bay hastily re-signed him back to their active roster, and the rest is history. 
But uh, a well, pretty... yeah, he was on their practice squad, right? Like, yes, he was yeah. on the Bucks practice squad. Bucks released him. Then he went to the Saints practice squad, and then the Bucks signed him to their active roster. But just a fun little fact, and the, the rest is history. Yeah, just a fun fact because you think about you know players that have come from New Orleans and play with the Bucks. Uh, a fairly close friend, it seems, to Cam Braid is Ryan Griffin, another former New Orleans yep. Saint. So just kind of a fun fact. If you didn't know, now you know. Courtesy Buc- of Buccaneer great. Buccaneer great Carl Nix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. So bad. That was a shame. <laughs> that was a shame. That was like their big free agent pickup that year. And yeah, him yeah. and Vincent Jackson and Eric Wright. And it's just. He. Carl Nix got affected by that MRSA thing. And just. Oh, man. Vincent Jackson, on the other hand, though. Yeah, I Vincent actually... Jackson was one of their best free agent pickups. But might be number two now because of a certain defensive end. Yeah, yeah, you never know. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But Vincent Jackson, I actually uh, I saw him at my work the other day. He came in, did a segment on uh, one of the shows, and he was walking out. And, I mean, I didn't realize this guy was as big as he is. 6'5". Still, like still. He, yeah. He's been retired for a few years, but he's still in great shape. He looks like he could throw on a uniform tomorrow and go play and catch a game-winning touchdown. Um, but Vincent Jackson, a very, very great Buccaneers wide receiver from years past. Um, let's go over the checklist. Checklist. Let's wrap things up and get out of here. So, to win in New Orleans and take hold of the NFC South. Yes, I just said that. Yep. Is Technically, the Bucs will have the same record as the Saints, but the Bucs will own the tiebreaker because the Bucs will have more division wins than the Saints do. So, Absolutely. If you want to win this game and take over the South, the Bucs have to do these three things. Uh, first and foremost, we have to have another good game from the offensive line. You got to give Jameis time to work, and you got to give Rojo room to run. Keep it low on the penalties. That's a big thing. Again, Don't shoot yourself. A perfect game for the offensive line. You can't expect perfection every single week. You'll get the occasional holding call because you know how these referees get. But if these guys can put themselves in situations where, like you said, they are not shooting themselves in the foot. You can see what happens on offense. And uh, when they do shoot themselves in the foot, like a certain holding call against the Buccaneers tight end, you can see what happens with a 25-yard run being called back. So we want those guys to play another clean game and uh, give Jameis time to work because I imagine if this offense gets going, we could see them stretch the field a little bit just like they did last week against L.A. But it's going to have to be a big game for the offensive line. Second up on the checklist, tackle 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 on defense be ready for the short ball quick release plays last week we kind of touched on it the secondary and the linebacker core did a pretty okay job of keeping things in front of them uh but you got to do it again if you're going to get these guys off the field on offense so you got to be ready for the quick release got to be ready for teddy bridgewater being conservative and then of course you have to account for the ground game because they can mix it up any way they want to there but even when they do decide to go to the air, you've got to be ready, and you've just got to react. A guy catches the ball, you got to tackle him. That's how you're going to get him off of the field, four and out, three and out. So, going to need them to tackle well, and they've been doing that. This third one is in all capital letters, because we cannot stress it enough. Account for Taysom Hill. <laughs> the guy is a game wrecker. If you see him trot onto the field, whether it's first, second, third, fourth down, or he's blocking a damn field goal, 
be ready to keep your eye on this guy because I'm going to guess 85% of the time that he's incorporated into the play that's about to be called. So we got to see them neutralize Taysom Hill and expect the unexpected. And that's very, very hard to do. But the way that this defense has adapted and reacted to things, I believe that they can do it and try and hold the Saints offense to a fairly low number. Because again, looking at the game they just played against Dallas, no touchdowns for them. Mm -hmm. I think maybe we can hold them to it again if they're able to sniff them out enough. Kamara might sneak in for a touchdown. Alvin Kamara might sneak in. They might get one. They might get one. But we're going to do our best to to only that. Evan, what have you got for the checklist, my man? Yeah, I got two more. Um, And it's individuals. Um, One, Matt Gay. Just make all your kicks, you know. (laughs) Um, You did a fantastic job. You know, you're you're up for a rookie of the week or whatever. Um, Should be up for an NFC special teams player of the week, but I don't think he got it. Um, just gotta make your kicks because I think there's gonna be another close game. So, and it's in a dome. I mean, yeah. not really much of an excuse to, to <laughs> yeah, miss you, these. You really you know? gotta make your kicks here. Yeah, you gotta make your these. Yeah, the, when the weather plays no factor, I know it's gonna be tough. Because the crowd is always loud in New Orleans, but it's inside. Make your kicks. And the other one is um, Carl Nassib. Looking for a better performance out of Carl Nassib. Um, he, he didn't play bad last week, but overall, I think on the season, he's been kind of underwhelming. Um, and maybe that's because we expected a little bit too much out of him. I mean, this guy had six and a half sacks but last year, but before that, I mean, he might have had like like seven or eight total sacks in his career. So, like, he's a solid player. I think a lot of us sort of had too high expectations for him. Um, but one thing I will give to him, he does bring a lot of energy um, to that line, and I think I think that helps. But well, looking for a big uh, Carl Nassib game, and uh, I'll predict he gets a sack. You know, I predicted that Dominican Sue would get a sack. He didn't get a sack, but he he picked up the the ball with the well, strip you had sack. Predicted, you had predicted a strip sack for Sue. Uh, in the in the te- when I texted you though, not on the show, not on, not the, on show. the show. I said, very true, I said, very true. So I'm predicting a, a Carl Nassib sack, not a strip sack, but a Carl Nassib sack this week. I like Carl Nassib. I'm a big Carl Nassib guy. And high I motor him, guy. Yeah, very, very high motor guy. He plays to the whistle, and sometimes if he thinks an offensive lineman jumped off sides, he'll jump Which over he there. And he did. He did. He did move, and uh, they ended up missing that call, but he's got to contain himself a little bit. You kind of heard about his, his, uh, his, what's the word? His reputation for being the crazy guy. Sometimes he can get a little too crazy, but Carl Nassib, what I've seen a lot of from him this season is, like, he'll be in position to make the play, but he just won't hit home. Like, we kind of talked about in the Giants game, when he single-handedly, Rhett Ellison, the tight end, number 85, he just took him with his left arm and just ran him all the way back into the quarterback. I think a lineman got there on the other side of the ball. I don't remember the outcome of the play. I'm pretty sure it was the sack for Shaq Barrett, but... All he really had to do was throw that right arm over and he would have had Daniel Jones around the neck. So I, I agree with you in a sense. I think he's been in positions to make plays. I just think guys have gotten there right before he has or he's just been a tad too late. Uh, but I'd like to see him step up as well and I'd like to see a Carl Nassib sack. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about all we've got for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it was on any of our podcast platforms or watching with video, whether it was on YouTube or BucksReport.com. 
You can follow the show on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cannon Fire Podcast for all of those. You can follow myself on social media at Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. And you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks Wave. CFP is brought to you by Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you have an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with quality marketing solutions for today's industry. Give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. If you're watching on our video feed, they donated the beautiful banner over my shoulder here and a lot of great things to come between CFP and, of course, Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Big thank you to them for sponsoring the show. <sighs> Let me make sure I'm not forgetting anything. We got the sponsor. We got the social media plug. We got our social media plug. So professional. <laughs> like I said before, I've got to start writing this down on a piece of paper so I can just have it in front of me because I'm going off of the dome. But I think that's it. I think we covered just about everything. So if you want to follow us on our social media, go ahead and do it because you know we are nothing without our following. And uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Going to be a great game for the Buccaneers this week. It'll be an interesting test on the road, but we'll see how they fare. And if it ends up positively, then guess what? We're first place in the NFC South. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll talk to you next Monday after the game. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.